Hello dear friends, it's Jazza here. Sorry for the impromptu episode, but today is very exciting because we are going to be taken over imminently by our friends at Multitude. Boo, 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 boo. Um, don't fear though, because uh, I'm in this episode and I must say I'm very funny. I'm just going to um, uh, let you know that you don't need to worry. Your regular scheduled programming is going to be turning up in this very feed in a couple of days. Um, but let me just hand over to Eric, who can tell you a little bit more. Hey, it's Eric Silver, your friendly local gamesman, podcaster, and founding member of Multitude. I am here bursting into the RSS feed at an irregular time to tell you about Head, Heart, Gut a podcast that is exclusively for members of the Multicrew, our membership program that supports all of Multitude. If you've never heard of the premise of Head, Heart, Gut, let me tell you. Every month we decide which is the best of an iconic set of three items from pop culture or the world we live in, as argued by any of the many members of Multitude. In the first three weeks, contestants present their choice by answering the same questions on our definitive survey of greatness, giving us stats, why the pick would win in a fight, how would Guy Fieri turn it into a dish, and much, much more. In week four, each contestant participates in a formal debate revolving around the rhetorical triangle. Get it? Head, heart, and gut. With a judge of their peers to decide what is once and for all the best thing. What you're about to hear is a supercut of the three survey round episodes for the Best Animal Heroes Month. Julia Shafini, Eric Schneider, and Jazza John are arguing for the most courageous and honorific animal. And, as you might imagine, this goes fully off the rails in ways we were not anticipating. We designed this show to be a place for multitude hosts to interact with each other and talk about stuff outside of their regular shows. It has been so, so, so much fun getting way too intense about subjects that don't matter for years now. Seriously, we decided what the best fruit was, what the best movie sequel was, the best utensil, the best superhero on both the Justice League and the Avengers, what is the best thing to do at a theme park, the best state of matter, and much, much, much more. If you want to hear the Judgment episode of this section and get access to the years and years of arguments, go to multicrew.club to join the multicrew today. You get the RSS feed for Head, Heart, Gut, access to the secret Instagram account for Multitude, secret Discord access, and even more stuff. That is multicrew.club, and you can find the link in the episode description below. Enjoy the supercut, and remember, your friends are wrong, and you're correct. Friends, Romans, perfect pups, lend me your ears. This is Head, Heart, Gut, the friendly debate show where there's no right answer, just the best answer. Every month we take an iconic set of three items from pop culture or the world we live in and pit them against each other. First, each of our contestants will present their choice, answering the questions on our definitive survey of greatness. At the end of each episode, the other contestants will score them based on their head, heart, and gut, and we will ultimately decide a winner of these three survey rounds. In week four, we turn up the heat where a special guest judge will lay down a ruling in a formal, structured debate. This week, in the best animal hero debate, I, Julia Shafini, will be arguing on behalf of Balto, the bravest dog ever. And I am joined by my fellow contestants, Jazza John, arguing on behalf of Moko, and Eric Schneider, arguing on behalf of Sergeant Stubby. Let's get it going. 
I feel like I had to put some like zazz on Sergeant Stubby there because uh, I don't know. He just sounds very uh, intimidating. It's a shame that uh, best name is not uh, a category that we're going to be ranking on. That is true. That is true. Unfortunately, we have some pretty good names here. Just just as a starting point, I think we can all agree our dogs or and other animals our potentially mammals, thank you. Let's our, be mammals, our mammals <laughs> yes. uh, no spoilers uh have have some pretty solid names between the three of us i think that's pretty good yeah i agree especially when you think about how balto's full title is and should be said as balto the bravest dog ever mm. so i'm gonna start with my headline which in fact is balto colon the pro medicine pup and the bravest dog ever okay uh, well so you've incorporated his full title into the yeah. Naturally, Excellent. naturally. Yeah, Julia yeah. immediately making it political, <laughs> talking about what medicines I should be taking, <laughs> all of that. Sorry, I forgot I was on a call with uh, two Americans where medicine is political. Yes. Yeah, yeah, no, whoops, <laughs> sorry. I, d- I don't want to dangle the National Health Service in front of you so early, but uh, yeah, sorry, can't relate. Honestly, I think a lot of Americans, not myself included, would take more medicine advice from a dog than from a doctor. So, I mean, that's what <laughs> We're dealing with unfortunately true Ooh, yeah maybe we just need balto right now you know in these like two and a half years of our past lives maybe we just needed a balto maybe we just yeah. needed balto i could go get him get your vaccine yeah. rough <laughs> woof woof need some vaccines <laughs> so i'm gonna go with my trading card and uh balto for those of you who don't know are both of you familiar with the story of balto i actually know i know the name i have no idea what the context of this is i associate balto with the snow and okay. so i assume he was in alaska you're correct and that's about it So Balto became famous because he was the lead sled dog in the final stretch of what was called the Great Race of Mercy, or the Serum Run, which was in 1925 the transportation of a diphtheria antitoxin via dog sled relay through Alaska. (laughs) Wow, (laughs) that's so much information to take in. Um, Mm -hmm. uh, Diphtheria. Yes, so. What is Hold on while I pull up my notes about what the hell diphtheria is. So diphtheria is basically an infection from this particular type of bacteria. Um, It is something like nowadays 10% of those diagnosed will die from it. It's usually just like sore throat, fever, cough. It is like extremely infectious. However, there is a diphtheria vaccine. And at the time in 1925, there was a antitoxin that one could use in order to treat it. Okay, cool. And I assume transportation and logistics difficult in Alaska? Yes. And so they turned it into a fun race with dogs. Yeah, it was, it's right. a race? Did You said it was a race, right? I, I called it the Great Race of Mercy, which was one of the names of it. Okay. And I'll get into the details during the best qualities because it is like extremely important. Because I feel like this should be like a yearly kind of consistent day-to-day <laughs> event rather than like a, a the fun annual event race <laughs> of mercy. This is not. when people with the spirit get cured. <laughs> no other times. <laughs> 
Okay, so this particular, like, transportation, it was done by 20 mushers, which are dog sled pilots, for lack of a better word, uh, 150 sled dogs over 647 miles, and it was done in five and a half days. Oh, wow. That seems impressive. Alaska's huge. Yes, Alaska's huge. This was an incredible distance. I'll tell you a little bit more about it later, but... What you need to know is Balto and his team ran the final 55 miles of that relay, Mm. and it was done in extreme sub-zero temperatures in near-blizzard conditions and hurricane-force winds. That's bad. Yeah. Yeah. So bravest dog ever out there, making sure some little kids got medicine. That is noble. That is honorable. So let's dive in a little bit further into the story and the importance of what Balto and his team did by going to my three best qualities. So number one is the situation and its importance, which feels like a real like <laughs> mm-hmm. queer movie podcast mm-hmm. uh, act name. It really is. Where's the party in its aftermath? This is the party in its aftermath right here. So the original call for this diphtheria antitoxin was due to the fact that mostly children had started to get sick and pass away in this town called Nome. Uh, so Nome was very remote town in Alaska. The stores in the small town of this antitoxin had expired, and the only doctor in town, the only doctor <laughs> in hundreds of miles, was a guy named Dr. Welch. And so he requested an additional like shipment of these antitoxins from the U.S. Public Health Service. But because it was winter in Alaska, the ports were closed because of ice, and more could not be shipped until spring. So plane was also not an option because of the harsh winter weather and, like I said, the hurricane weather conditions. Mm. What, what what was the year again, real quick? This is 1925. Yeah, he like sent all of this information via uh, telegram because that's how people communicated right. back then. I just wasn't sure if planes had been invented at the, this period or not. So I was like, not <laughs> not well, but they had yeah, been invented because, because that's that's going to be a major hindrance for flight if it's yes, pre-planes. That is that is true. So basically. It was proposed that dog sled teams would be used to transport cases of this antitoxin to this small town. However, the proposed trip, that distance of the 674 miles, usually took about 30 days. And the doctor estimated that the serum would only last in the brutal winter conditions for six days. So they had to try to make this journey that usually took 30 days in under six days. That's five times as fast. Can I just say, that is longer than the length of my country. England is only about 600 miles long. Sorry, that just contextualized everything. And I'm very impressed with this little doggo. Alaska, I don't know if this is entirely accurate, but I think Alaska might be like about the size of Western Europe in its entirety. So like, it's it's a massive place. I think it might be bigger. It's all just... A terrible tundra. Not all of it. Some of some of Alaska is extremely beautiful. You could be beautiful and a terrible tundra. The Mojave is lovely, but it's also a terrible tundra. <laughs> sure, sure, sure. So perhaps most interestingly, was, at least to me, is that Balto was not originally one of the dogs that was chosen for the relay. He was basically part of a team that had been left behind in case they were needed. And so were like kind of running behind the original team. And then they realized he had a bright red nose. <laughs> <laughs> not quite, not quite. So basically, like when they arrive for the, what should be the final leg of this relay, the like person delivering the stuff to the next 
leg was there, but not the person that he was supposed to be delivering it to, right? Because basically the intended final team had believed that the relay had been halted because of inclement weather. And he was just like, he basically slept through the arrival of the other team. Oh, come on. There were alarm clocks in 1925. Well, he just like straight up, he's like, it's a blizzard outside. There's no way that other team is going to get here in time. Let the children die. (laughs) So the backup team, Balto's team, were like ready to go. And so they passed off the antitoxin to Balto's team and they ran that final 55 miles to Nome. So it also should be noted, and I feel like this is really important, the official depth toll of diphtheria in the town of Nome was only like five people although i will i will be completely honest true to colonization vibes it's noted that a hundred additional indigenous people in the surrounding areas also Mm. passed away from diphtheria but the expected infection rate without the antitoxin would have been around ten thousand people with a morality rate just under a hundred percent oh holy oh holy shit Mm -hmm. that's bad so The situation that Balto found himself in, extremely, extremely important that they got that medicine there on time. And he was there when this other guy was just going to sleep through. And I'll remind you that this antitoxin would have been like rendered unusable after six days. They got there on that five and a half days. So if they hadn't been there to run that last leg of the race, they probably wouldn't have been able to use the antitoxin. Was Bolto the only dog pulling the sled? He was not, but that moves on to my next point, which is Balto fame and the aftermath. (laughs) So (laughs) up until this point, up until this great mercy race or the this relay, Balto had never been a lead dog on a winning dog sled team. And up until this point, he had been considered a like scrub dog, like the dog that if another one on the team got injured, he would be the replacement. Uh, He's literally the underdog. (laughs) Yes, exactly. (laughs) So Balto was the one who led this final relay. It was basically like he was called up to action at the last moment and like finally had his time to shine. I will say there was another dog during this relay named Togo who probably ran the more like challenging and dangerous part of the serum relay. But Mm. Balto kind of became an instant hit in the world news because he was the one that like was there for the final delivery. I'm not saying that Balto deserves all of the fame, but he did get the fame. And I think that it's kind of important to kind of like look at the legacy of it. Mm-hmm. Hashtag justice for Togo. I'm just going to put that out there. Justice for Togo. I Getting agree. my tweets ready. It's not Balto's fault. It's like the media was just like, this one cool dog. Hey, We're what, not going to think of but, all but the other what dogs. Did Balto do? What did Balto do to, dis- to change the narrative? Just I mean... He didn't speak English, so he couldn't really correct that. Well, I'm just saying, mine mine probably does speak English, so I'm just putting, I mean, uh-huh. that's going to be points for me. This is why we need more dogs in newsrooms. <laughs> <laughs> so, Balto, regardless, did become this kind of instant hit among world news. It only took 10 months for the statue of Balto in New York City Central Park to be erected, which, like, oh, wow. is wild. 10 months after, like, he delivered the stuff. Was he still alive? Isn't yes. it bad taste for somebody to have a statue of them while they're still alive? Isn't that a bit dictatory? <laughs> I mean, yes, but again, he didn't, like, propose that the statue was uh-huh. built. Uh-huh. I love the statue's inscription, so I'm going to read it for you guys, which is, quote, 
dedicated to the indomitable spirit of the sled dogs that relayed antitoxin 600 miles over rough ice across treacherous waters through Arctic blizzards from Nenana to the relief of the stricken Nome in the winter of 1925. Like, again, it's not just to him, it's to all the dogs, but he's just the one that they decided to capture in bronze, I think. It's a romantic Mm. text. Um, mm-hmm. But you know you could you can do a smaller statue, more dogs. That's true. That's mm-hmm. true. I I it's actually one of my favorite statues in uh, in Central Park. So I'm just like, oh yes, Aww. the Balto statue. Give him a little pet on his nose. So he eventually. It's a good point that you brought up, Jazza, that he like you know survived the ordeal and was uh, still around because eventually he was like featured on the vaudeville circuit, which was big at the time. A lot of crowds were drawn because they wanted to meet the hero dog. Uh, but unfortunately, especially for these hero dogs, because it was his whole squad that got presented, not just Balto, but Balto was the lead dog, so he was the quote unquote most important. You know what I've just realized? Our generation's Balto is. Oh no. Um it's Grumpy Cat because that's the only animal I've ever queued up to meet and all that is it, that was a cat that was famous on the internet that didn't deliver any diphtheria. That's true. That cat did not help uh, public health at all. <laughs> <laughs> I mean sure, like laughing is the best medicine is what they say. <laughs> I feel like a diphtheria antitoxin might be. You're going to talk about Americans not knowing about medicine over here. <laughs> <laughs> um Anyway, the vaudeville circuit happened for a while. Unfortunately, the owners are kind of dicks, and so they sold the dogs to a novelty museum in Los Angeles for the highest price, which was not great. Uh, But eventually, they were brought to Cleveland, Ohio, where they were welcomed with a triumphant, like a legit hero's parade for these dogs. Ohio is one of those states that um, us foreigners only ever think about whenever they do the presidential election. And they're like, oh, that exists. But now I have another thing for it to be in my consciousness. How lovely. Let me give you a third one real quick. I'm from Cleveland, Ohio. Oh my God. Now now. I have three things. What a privilege. I'm so glad I came to this, guys. (laughs) So they're brought to Cleveland, Ohio. They have this incredible heroes parade. And then they lived out the rest of their lives in what at the time was the Brookside Zoo, which is now Cleveland's Metro Park Zoo. Eric. Yeah. Is that a nice zoo? I worked at that zoo. It's a great zoo. Okay. Yeah. Tight. So Balto and his friends got to live out the rest of their days at that really nice zoo. And when Balto passed away, his body was taxidermied and donated to the Cleveland Museum of Natural History. My issue, Eric, with you in particular and your state and your city is that there have been several attempts by the Alaskan government to return Balto back to his home and the Cleveland Museum keeps going, nah. Oh, this is this feels very like British Museum stealing a load of stuff from Egypt and uh, Greece and still saying, oh, you know what? It might be 2022, but uh, we're going to keep it. Thank you. I do feel bad about that. Uh, okay. I will Thank you. say... I I have paid admittance to go into that museum, so I have supported this, which I guess I feel bad about. I mm-hmm. th- they used to do a thing called Think and Drink at this museum, and I have just had a beer directly next to Balto. Uh so oh, that's I don't know cool. what that b- b- brings us to, but I'm I'm sorry that Balto is not being returned to his his proper place. Uh, did you thank him for? greatly impacting the public health of the United States, because that's my third point. <laughs> uh, I didn't do that exactly, but I probably said good Anya or something like that okay. to him. Okay. 
So that does bring me to my third point, which I have titled The Inoculation Campaign. So not only was this an incredible feat in and of itself, and Balto became extremely famous in a period where it was kind of just like wild that a dog became extremely famous, but the public health ramifications cannot be denied. The publicity of the event, including the celebrity of the dogs and Balto in particular, helped to spur an inoculation campaign, which dramatically reduced the threat of diphtheria in the United States. So a story and a figure like Balto is probably something that we could have used quite a lot more of over the past two and a half years. Like, you know, maybe, you know, those cats that were getting COVID or those mink in Denmark that um, uh, uh, caught it as well. Maybe we should have chosen one of them and been like, get vaccinated for mittens. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I feel like, you remember when we all got really excited about that dog and bones or no bones days? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Noodle, noodle the dog. Um, I, I, I think I'm too old. Okay, uh, that's fair. He's like a dog, an elderly dog. Pug. And uh-huh. basically he has very bad arthritis. <laughs> and you could tell whether or not it was going to be a good day or not, whether or not his body, like, the, his owner would like very gently pick him up and if he stood up it was a bones day which means you could get stuff done it was going to be great and if he like just kind of like went back to laying back down then it was a no bones day <laughs> and so it was like permission to give yourself like a little bit of extra time like don't don't feel so stressed about getting stuff done like you can take the time why is bones not being talked about here the nice thing about no bones day is it's it wasn't like it was going to be a bad day it was like it was going to just be like a day where you need to take care of yourself first and yeah. foremost yeah. Oh, that's so cute. Why aren't I on TikTok? That's Rowan's thing. I'm not on TikTok. I just have a friend that's like five years younger than me that they send me stuff. That helps. <laughs> so yes, I would say if Noodle the Pug, you know, was able to convince more people to get vaccinated for COVID, that would be the equivalent mm-hmm. of what Balta was in 1925. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, well argued. Okay. Thank you. So I'm going to move on to the Fight Club, which is how good Balta would do in a fight. I, I came up with this before I knew what yours were. And so I'm just going to say, like, Balto is kind of an unexpected fighter because he, like, he wasn't supposed to be the lead dog in his part of the relay. He was that scrub dog. And honestly, no one was expecting him to be the one to, quote unquote, save the day. So you wouldn't be expecting him, which is like, you know, an element of surprise is always good in a fight. Mm -hmm. Also, he's a sled dog, which means he has, like, dexterity, he has endurance, he has stamina, and he's a very, very good boy. (laughs) So next, I'm going to be taking it to Flavortown, which is like how Guy Fieri would kind of get involved in the story. And so now I'm picturing Guy Fieri as like a dog sled pilot and like (laughs) picturing what he would be making for himself in the middle of a blizzard in Alaska and like what he would also be feeding the dogs because naturally like what he's eating, the dogs also have to eat because supplies are limited. And I'm just like picturing like a really nice, like very warm, fulfilling stew. Plus, it's got like a lot of protein for the pups. Like something like a like a beef bourguignon, but with like caribou or reindeer, and I think it would be delicious. And now I'm extremely hungry. Oh, reindeer in a stew is very mm. good. Like if you're a big fan of like venison or like you know that kind of like a, a venison steak, mm. imagine that, but like beef bourguignon and delicious. And then obviously Bolto gets the gets gets a, a piece as well to gnaw on. Maybe the bones. He was gonna get the bones. Yeah, mm, you know when bones. you're done making your stock with those caribou or your reindeer bones, you give them to Balto, and now he's got all that energy to bring medicine to the children <laughs> so I, love- I don't know what it is about like for the children that i find so funny 
Would somebody think of the children? <laughs> okay, so like part of this too, and I didn't really talk about this in my my main points, but like a big part of like the Balto legacy for me is the DreamWorks movie, which have you either of you seen this DreamWorks movie? I th- think I saw it a long time ago, but it doesn't ring any okay. bells currently. I've seen Bolt. Bolt is not the same. <laughs> no, different? Okay, cool. No, very different. Um, so Balto, it's like... Kevin Bacon plays Balto mm. and it's like very horny for a dog movie for whatever reason. Cause he's like, he's doing this all to prove that he's like a, a cool, impressive dog to a hot lady dog and also to save some children. <laughs> mm. Okay. <laughs> There's like one girl that he's like friends with cause he's like the outsider in the town. And so like this one little girl has been helping her and her, the little girl's dog is the hot, sexy dog. So wait, mm. wait, is this like lady in the champ that this is dog? getting off okay yes cool it's horny dogs it's horny dogs well they are generally unless you castrate them um and so like i grew up watching this film and it was like a film that myself and my godfather's daughter uh would often watch together and so like they would be like oh uh julia katie what do you guys want to watch and we would just be like balto and they're like why do you like that movie and me and my friend would like look at each other and then put our hands on our hips like little girls do and we just go he's the bravest dog ever and then my dad like never stopped quoting that at me for the rest of my life so julia you just got you just got a five for heart um (laughs) damn it he's the bravest dog ever i love him so much he's a brave dog um so we're moving on to the Dwayne the Rock Johnson factor. And I mean, I think this one is pretty obvious. Like, obviously, you would do a live action movie of the Serum Relay where Dwayne the Rock Johnson is playing the sled dog pilot Gunnar Kaysen. Hold on. And he's, Hold on. Yes. What's this dude's name? Gunnar Kaysen. Have we ta- Have you mentioned him before? I have not. I did not tell you what the pilot's name was yeah. because I was saving it for this moment. That's a good name. Yeah. It's a it's like very like Nordic spelling, so it's G U N N A R. Yeah, and there's probably like some umlauts and stuff. Uh, there's no umlauts, but, but there there are though, right? I mean, come there on, there could be. There should. Let's be. add them in for fun, you know. There's like a silent umlaut. It's a, a silent, silent umlaut. <laughs> the umlaut is silent. <laughs> An invisible umlaut, but you know it's there. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then his last name is spelled K A A S E N. Kornsen. <laughs> I don't speak any of the Nordics. So that I should I stop. I should not try. Yeah. So that's Dwayne the Rock Johnson is Gunnar Kaysen. Uh, and he and Balto would just like have this beautiful moment where they decide that Balto is going to be the lead dog on the sled and that they're going to like do this final leg of the relay dot 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 together. <laughs> now I have an important question. There's that recent Harrison Ford movie where there's a dog and the dog was played by a man and then CGI'd into a dog. Mm. How are you going to have Balto presented in this movie? Is it going to be a man CGI'd into a dog or are you going to get an actual dog? <laughs> no, I want a real fucking dog because that's a truly buck wild is thing. The do- is the dog going to talk at all or is, is no. it? No. Okay, well, I'm just Why not? I'm just I think it would be nice to, seeing as Balto never had a chance to speak to the public who adore him as such, wouldn't it be nice for the medium of cinema to be able to provide him <laughs> with that platform? I mean, he did in the animated film Balto, and Kevin Bacon did it. Of course, Kevin (laughs) fucking Bacon. But I will say, if I was going to give Balto a voice, (laughs) I would do it in the style of Homeward Bound, The Incredible Journey, where it is just like regular animal actors, but they are like voiced by famous actors and they're like not moving their mm. mouths or anything. You're just seeing like a dog turn his head and then uh, like what's his face from Back to the Future's voice comes out. Michael J. Fox. Michael J. Fox. 
That is the. Yeah. I think that is the best mm. way of doing it. Yes, thank you. You're not getting bonus points for making me think about Shadow from Homeward Bound, just so you know. Oh, okay. But that old man, he finally got returned back to his his uh, owner. And... I know, but I'm. I mean, I'm just saying you can't. You can't just like bring up Homeward Bound and think that's that's worth bonus points. I because mean, that's the movie I watched a lot as a child. Did, did it touch your heart? Of course it did. Then maybe I should get a couple of bonus points. Well, the movie that. did. Uh, well, remembering the movie touched mm. your heart, didn't I'm it? I'm always thinking about that movie. <laughs> Julia, I'm already 100% on board. Like, I've, I watched it as a kid as well. You're getting too many points already. Jazza, you gotta be, you gotta be stronger. <laughs> no, I'm so weak. I am so incredibly weak. <laughs> they warned me. They said, Jazza will turn on a dime and just give everybody five points. We gotta be stronger. We gotta, we can't just give five straight across the board. Strong like Bolto. <laughs> Okay, to stop Jazza from giving me more points, even though I want them, uh, I'm going to finish out with my fun fact, which is, Balto, I don't know if you guys know the namesakes of yours. I I imagine Sergeant Stubby is probably not particularly named after a a certain person, but Balto was actually named after a Sami explorer named Samuel Balto. So Samuel Balto began his life as a lumberjack and a reindeer herder in Norway, but was eventually recruited for the Trans-Greenland Expedition, which was the first recorded crossing of the interior of Greenland, which was traveled via skis they traveled across greenland on just skis which is incredible uh he eventually wrote a book about that it's very interesting and then samuel balto eventually moved to alaska again to become a reindeer herder and like introduce reindeer to alaskan like society and culture and like teach people there how to like do reindeer husbandry and then eventually he became a gold miner in the yukon river valley he this guy literally did everything you could possibly do back then Lives were so much more interesting back then. Those are like the three things you could do. You could ski across Greenland. (laughs) One time. Go go to the Yukon and get gold and then live up in Alaska. I mean, those are the three things dudes were doing back then. And what have we got now? Instagram reels? Yeah, Yeah. exactly. I mean, none of us are going to get a hero dog named after us, and that's just a shame. Not with that uh, attitude. Uh, speak for yourself, Julia. I'm planning on uh, Jazz of the Bravest Dog in the World becoming a real thing. Thank you very much. Okay, well, n- you need to sign up for the next Trans-Greenland expedition and <laughs> ski across Greenland, and then we'll see what happens. Also, Jazza is my name, but it's also a great dog name. Anybody listening, you want to name your dog after me, go for it. All right. You know what? I will consider it. Excellent, thank you. But but like also, but do it specifically if you think your dog will become a hero. <laughs> yes, please. I'm hedging my bets. <laughs> like make sure that you are also heroic, so we can kind of lump them together. Well, listen. If we all name our dogs Jazza, then the likelihood of one of them being exactly. a hero dog named Jazza it means it's high. All right, rate me, rate me, boys. Okay, now. We are going to judge Julia using our head, our heart, and our gut, scoring them on a scale of one to five for each. Jazza, let's start with head. Okay, so I feel like objectively, when you're thinking about this with mm-hmm. one's one's brain bag, yep. I feel like Bolto is not the star of this show. With many narratives, I feel like he has been plucked up he had the underdog story that mm-hmm. then was used in marketing to go on and do some amazing things. Yeah, yeah. But actually, it should be Bolto and his friends 
the bravest dogs and sledder in the world. Yeah, musher. How, sorry, yes, of course. Um, <laughs> well, unfortunately, this was best animal hero, not best animal heroes. So I had to choose the one that I felt embodied the rest of the dogs. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I just want to say, you guys learned what diphtheria was. You learned all these statistics about like how far it is to travel between these two towns. Uh-huh. I, I'm, I'm just saying. I'm I learned saying. Alaska's big. <laughs> Alaska big. I learned that there's a zoo in Ohio. I'm not discounting any of that. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, th- I think we learned a lot. Yeah. What, what, what do you think you're going for number wise so you know what i think that julia is very lucky that she um uh, jumped in there because i was feeling a two i think i'm now feeling more of a three i think i think a three is fine because i mean if we're doing this logically then like this was a team effort Mm. and because it's a team effort you kind of have to you can't give balto too much of the credit if we're talking Mm, about mm, one mm, hero mm. animal and i'm not i I, julia's giving me a stick face which is completely fair but i'm just saying like look i i too i think was definitely too low Mm -hmm. uh but i think i think a three is is reasonable because we are talking about a team of animals that was led by balto and a very cool man, presumably named Gunner. So I, I think that's great. Now, what about Hart? Five. Yeah, Hart, I, I feel five. I mean, mm-hmm. Julia loves Balto. The people love Balto. She gave us a lot of facts mm-hmm. about why people love Balto. She liberally used the phrase good boy as well, mm-hmm. which is yes. always going to pluck at my heartstrings as a former dog owner. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, this was this is easy for me. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Excellent. Good job. And then our gut. How do we feel about Balto being the best hero animal out there? I feel pretty strong, I'll say. But the the fact that it is a, a essentially he engaged in a team sport, it's the thing that's holding him back from from being the best for me. Right. Gut is meant to be ethics and values. And I mean I feel like the ethics of vaccines, good. Ethics of, of saving the children. Very good. I mean, almost, like apparently almost 10,000 people could have died if Balto didn't step up. Sure, sure, so sure, like, sure. I mean, that's that's pretty significant mm-hmm. how many people mm-hmm. Balto saved. I would also like to say Balto did not take all the credit. The credit was thrust upon Balto. Uh-huh. And as a dog, he couldn't tell people, no, no, it was other people too. Well, maybe when he was going, that was me barking. He might have been trying to do that, but no one understood. Know, but... I think where do, where does the blame lie then? I think that some of it has to rest on Bolto. <laughs> I think it, I think it rests on Gunner, but, but that's just me. Yeah, maybe actually we have to blame Dwayne the Rock Johnson for this. <laughs> I'm between a three and a four. I could go either way. I would say four because I do think the the story of Balto and what the the whole team and the whole the whole Mercy race or whatever it was called. It was <laughs> it was important for the world and specifically for this town and Alaska mm-hmm. in general. So I think a four is is a good spot to land on this. Okay. I'll accept these points. Mm-hmm. So that is in total. Do the maths. Uh, that's Twelve. F- thank you. <laughs> oh, I can't do any mathematics anymore. <laughs> good. That's Oh, that's a really good score. Yeah. <laughs> so Julia walks away with that with a really solid 12. I will be up next. Oh, how exciting for me. Speaking about uh, being very original, thank you very much. Uh, uh, a dolphin called Moko from New Zealand. Oh, oh, yeah. It's well good. I won't do an accent in the actual episode. I'm sorry, any New Zealanders listening. Oh, boy. Oh, oh no. Oh, boy. <laughs> 
Jazz, I was very excited because I've never faced off against you in Head Harkup before. Uh-huh. And you didn't reveal your choice to me until just like just recently. Uh-huh. And I I am pleasantly surprised by the level of wildness <laughs> in choosing a dolphin. Yeah. Like presumably <laughs> One of the most asshole animals on the face of the planet. Dolphins. Oh, oh, just you wait, Julia, because you're going to find out how badly I've shot myself in the proverbial foot. Yay! Oh boy! Yeah. Oh boy! Here we go. <laughs> I feel like I'm I'm on team wild choices here <laughs> with you and with Eric. Just team hard mode is what I'm looking at right now. One hundred percent. Me? I'm not on yeah. hard mode. Sometimes you go on hard mode. Oh, I mean, I used to. Yeah, this time you're not, but like Jazz is now inheriting your title as yeah. Team Hard Mode. Hey, watch me get 15. So my headline for Moko the Dolphin is Moko the Dolphin. He loved us too much and we didn't deserve him. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. I mean, given what I know about dolphins... This can go very wrong, Jazza. This can go very wrong. Oh, I, I, uh, the more I read about the choice I had, uh, the more I realized it was a mistake. But let's see no! how this goes, shall we? I mean, I'm, I, the thing that interests me about this is, one, dolphins are generally terrible. But two, like when I was thinking of hero animals, I thought of Balto, Sergeant Stubby, and I could not think of any more. So, like, any choice was going to be kind of surprising, but mm-hmm. I just simply wasn't expecting a dolphin. I will say I can think of two other dogs that I would have chosen on this list if one of you somehow stole Balto from me. Is one of the, can I guess, is one of yes. them um, uh, uh, Alexander the Great's horse? No, but I love that. So that was my number two, but then I decided to go aquatic. Um, mm-hmm. uh, Naturally. J- for the lols. One of them is the Newfoundland that saved Napoleon from drowning. But Napoleon was bad. That's not a good thing. Well, I mean, it's, I just, it's interesting. It depends on how you feel. He did, like, do a lot of atrocities, but also, like, you know, uh, took the bourgeoisie out of France. So yeah, it's like, I'm, I'm a know. non-French European, so my opinion of Napoleon is probably bad. Uh. And then the other one was Seaman, who was another Newfoundland, who was the uh, dog that accompanied the Lewis and Clark expedition. However that's rooted in a lot of like manifest destiny uh colonization stuff so i said no semen <laughs> let's just take that right out of context <laughs> clip it clip it <laughs> so for anybody who doesn't know and frankly even i didn't know before i started researching mako or his full name Mokotahi, which is the name of a peninsula near where he used to live, was a lone bottlenose dolphin who hung out at various points on the north coast of New Zealand between 2007 and his untimely death in 2010. Uh, oh, no. When we consider dolphins can live up to 60 years, this poor no. baby died at four. Yeah, it's very, very sad. Moko came initially to international acclaim when, in March 2008, he helped two pygmy sperm whales that were stuck behind a sandbar in Mahia Beach. So locals had been trying for hours and hours to refloat these struggling whales and were even at the point where, oh God, we're going to have to euthanize these whales. They're having such a terrible time. Then, through the narrow channel being carved by the tide coming out, Mako appeared like a goddamn cetacean superhero <laughs> and guided the two pygmy sperm whales to out into the open sea. Now, this is all I knew about Moko before learning about him. And the reason I chose him is because I love the idea of removing the human 
from the framing of an animal hero. Mokko okay. was a hero for animals. Okay. Mokko was saving other cetaceans, looking great doing it, getting great BBC coverage, doing fantastic. <laughs> um, the problem is, as soon as we consider Mokko interacting with human beings. So even before this big international news story in 2008, Mokko had become a bit of a, a local celebrity in North New Zealand. Um, he was uh, super, super friendly, um, playing with swimmers and boats and became a big tourist attraction. People came to kind of like see him playing with um, all of the locals and stuff like that and even a chance to kind of like bob about with him. And this is where we end up finding... Um, Information that uh, uh, I realised started slapping me around the face with, oh dear, no, bottomless dolphins are, are dicks. Um, so in 2009, Mokko wanted to play with a solo swimmer in Mahia Beach oh, to no. the point where the swimmer wasn't able to return to shore and had to be rescued by other people. So... <laughs> He just loved too much. You milkshake ducked yourself. <laughs> I did one hundred percent. But no, no, no. My, my argument still has weight. Just you wait. So, um, <laughs> something I love about this particular story is that the swimmer herself was too embarrassed to give her name to the local news. And so she's never been identified because she said, actually, you know what? This was my fault. It was winter. Mako was known when it was winter and it was cold. Not as many swimmers were about. Mako was known to get lonely and then get overly oh, enthusiastic. No. Get overly enthusiastic when people got into the water. Uh, and she went out late and alone. And so she was like, oh, you know what? I shouldn't have done this. Now, I'm not one to victim blame. I was just going to say, no, this I is was going to say, a PSA, this though. dolphin is victim blaming someone. <laughs> I'm not one to victim blame. This is a PSA. Don't go swimming alone. Just don't go swimming yeah. alone. Don't go swimming alone in the winter, uh, uh, in the evening. You know, it's not safe. Anytime, really. Because Mako might love you to death. So what, like, I was, I was worried when I read this story. But actually, now that I think about it, if anything, I really identify with him because... I am an ENFJ of the internet with two podcasts and a YouTube channel. I know what it's like to desire attention and to sometimes be overbearing, you know? Yeah. So Mokko may not be an animal hero for humans, but he is an animal's animal hero. And that's why he is my hero. Okay. Hmm. Any any thoughts, comments, um, uh, do you just want to give me the 15 points now? Like, what's the what's the vibe in the, <laughs> no, in the room? No, no, I think we can wait a little bit. <laughs> mm -hmm. Okay. <laughs> it is a wild... Like, if you hadn't told us about I'd have been the safe, stranding I know. of the woman... I know. Like, but it's I very feel like... honest of you, which I appreciate, but... <laughs> but I also feel like, um, you know when somebody willingly rolls disadvantage because it's like a character choice? Mm -hmm. That was the energy I wanted to... I wanted uh. to bring to this. I wanted to be honest with you um okay and and apparently play this on fucking hard mode <laughs> uh and team hard mode here it is once again i am planning on just charming you with a load of dolphin facts later so uh oh okay we'll see how that goes going into moko's trading card now how can you have something like moko and not have a pokemon card like um mm. uh, uh, i'm 100 on board with this the pokemon card will read moko the soul in the sea pokemon the Soul in the Sea was the name of a documentary made in 2013 <laughs> about Mokko. 
Um, Don't we have enough documentaries? No, we do. How dare you? Uh, although I did try really, really hard to watch it somewhere. It is available absolutely nowhere and had no commercial release outside of New Zealand. So, so it was um, a real good documentary. Yeah, no, yeah. Me. High quality. Um, it's type. Obviously, we're going with water. And you know what? I'm also going to go with a little bit of psychic as well, which I will mm. explain a little bit later. Uh, but basically, them animals, they got them big brains, them dolphins. It is a single stage Pokemon because Mokko is perfect as he is. Um, and his two weaknesses are uh, humans and trust. <laughs> okay. Because yeah. in 2010, the New Zealand Department of Conservation investigated uh, several injuries that Mokko had sustained when playing Aww. with paddlers um, who apparently had decided to hit him over the head <gasps> with an oar. Um, no. And Mokko was also observed of having um, some other injuries, possibly from propellers, nets and fish hooks, which are very common with dolphins and other cetaceans that get up and close with humans. Basically, reinforcing that he is too good for us and we don't deserve him. The archetype of a hero. Jazz, I'm going to tell you a real truth about me that you might not know. Mm -hmm. I'm pretty sure Eric knows this about me, mm -hmm. but... I love manatees. Do you know what a manatee yeah. is? It's yeah, a sea yeah, cow. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, they are they are slow. They are cute little dummies and they get like run over by boats a lot. Mm -hmm. So anytime I hear about like a sea creature who's like has injuries from boats or just people not treating them well, I cry a little bit. Mm -hmm. One time I got drunk at Epcot and then stood in front of the manatee tank for a while and cried. Oh. Um yeah. I can confirm there's no more, yeah. There is no more uh, dolphin harm uh, in in this in this debate. So don't you worry. All right, good good to know. You you say that, but <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> um, and finally, on the trading card, the moves. I've chosen to take two actual Pokemon moves and reinterpret them for Moko um, specifically. So first off, uh, he has Helping Hand. Obviously, we would want to call it Helping Flipper. Uh-huh, naturally. So this is intended in the actual Pokemon games in the Pokemon franchise to be a support move. But when Mako uses it, he helps so much that he becomes overbearing. <laughs> uh, uh, to the point where maybe he really wants to play with you, but it's getting late and you're holding onto a boy and you can't get in to shore and you're really scared. And so people have to come and save you like the lady in 2009. The second move is Mischief. Usually in Pokemon, this is where the target is taunted causing it to use only attack moves for three turns. Now, Moko was not just known for being super fun, but also for being a bit boisterous. So local <laughs> fishers um, uh, used to speak about how he tangled their crayfish pots um, and stopped them from being able to fish. And actually, maybe uh, Moko uh, was single-handedly trying to tackle overfishing in the North Island of New Zealand. I was going to ask. Another reason for him being a hero. I was going to say, this is another, like, he's trying to protect the, the fellow animals of the sea. Exactly. Thank you so much for making that point for me, Julie. I really appreciate <laughs> it. <laughs> Let's move on now to his three best qualities. Now, I will be honest. I have um, provided all of the news um, stuff about Mako. So now we're going to move into general dolphin facts. <laughs> <laughs> all right. <laughs> Oh, by the way, everything that dogs have done in the past, I get points for that too. <laughs> oh no, oh no. So um, uh, uh, point one is best evolution. So dolphins outdate humans 
uh, as a species by several million years. Dolphins date back to the Miocene um, over 16 million years ago, and humans have only been around for 2 million years, so I want to make sure that we know that they came first. And they are, in fact, also a really cool example of convergent evolution, where two species with different lineages evolve similar traits to deal with similar environments, despite their different lineages. Um, uh, dolphins are often compared to ichthyosaurs, which existed a further 150 million years before dolphins evolved. Um, and ichthyosaurs, despite being an aquatic lizard, shared a load of traits with dolphins, the streamlined body, the breathing of air, dorsal fins, and a tail for propulsion. Um, but also, they had rubbery skin and blubber, and ichthyosaurs also gave birth to live young, just like dolphins did as well. Even though it was a reptile? Yeah. Interesting. Tail first as well, which also happens with, uh, with dolphins. So... Huh. In the same way that the X-Men are the perfected stage of evolution for humans, Mako the Dolphin is a hero because of his superior stage of evolution. That last part really threw me <laughs> when you brought in the X-Men. Uh, mm -hmm. I mean, mm -hmm. I've always heard that like the ultimate form of evolution is a crab. Everything turns into everything, crab. Everything just turns into mm -hmm. a crab eventually. Mm -hmm. So I'm, I'm, I see what you're saying about dolphins. I'm not completely sold, but uh, but it is interesting for sure. Well, just just you wait. There's even more. So the, the reason... these are also mammals that need to breathe air, but also live in the water. Yeah. So I mean, I, they might not be the ultimate form of evolution. The for, ultimate for th form of evolution, just like Magneto. Yes, just like Magneto. Just like the ability to move all metals with your uh -huh. mind. Dolphins oh. who live in a substance they cannot survive on. Also, also keeping in mind that all of the X-Men, you have stuff like Magneto where it's like, yeah, I can move metal with my mind. And then you have Beak, who's just like a bird guy. <laughs> And I like, can't even fly. Just a dude that looks like a bird. So I know that we're in DC territory here, but literally Aquaman is a thing and has his own film. So let's calm down, please. <laughs> the second of dolphins, and therefore Moko's best qualities, is dolphins are a clever, clever boy. So, as we know from non-fiction books written by Douglas Adams, The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, dolphins are the second most intelligent species on Earth, just behind mice and just above my godson. Fair enough. That documentary evidence should be enough to convince <laughs> you that Mako's hero status, but I'll give you some more evidence. Dolphins have their own spoken language. They understand syntax, they have individual words, um, and communicate between different pods, so have common languages. Mm. Um, they also plan and coordinate together when hunting fish. They have also uh, been known to use tools. They recognize themselves in mirrors. They mourn the dead and are known as great mimics, which leads me to point three. We don't deserve them. <laughs> okay. Of course, human beings saw these graceful, intelligent, empathic beings and decided, hey, I can put that in a cage and charge people to look at it. There are currently... 3,000 dolphins in captivity around the world, and we've been keeping them in captivity since the 1860s. Once again, Mako deciding to help the animals and maybe be a little bit overbearing on the humans counts towards him here. I argue, no, I won't be taking any other questions. Shall we move swiftly on? 
Sure. Shall yes. we move sure. swiftly on? We can address all this in the uh, in the round where we give you points. I'm so. sure. <laughs> um, so the next stage is Fight Club. And Fight Club is introduced as how does your subject beat the other species in a street fight? Now, this is very unfair because it's a street fight. Mako <laughs> is buggered because he's a dolphin and has no legs. <laughs> okay, that's fair. However, yeah. if we're going to d- treat this as kind of like a, a Pokemon video game... Where, where all the water animals just float inexplicably... Yeah, in I'm like a goldine floating in the middle of the, mm-hmm. in the, middle of the yeah. air. Uh, Mako is clearly going to be kind of like, you know how you see a dolphin, like attack a shark, like going in with the bottle nose, uh, maybe kind of like a, an overly boisterous headbutt. I don't see this anywhere. Where are you watching this? Are you just watching <laughs> dolphin V shark videos on YouTube all day? We We've all seen those. Um, literally, that was all of my today. Um, <laughs> now, uh, next we're going to take it to Flavortown. So the Flavortown instructions are, if your subject was a meal featured in diners, drive-ins and dives, um, uh, and we have to encourage Guy Fieri to say, wow, that's out of bounds. So I looked up what dolphin meat tastes like. Oh no, Jazza, no! <laughs> and dolphin meat uh, has apparently a flavour very similar to beef. Um, uh, uh, and to liver. However, dolphin meat is high in mercury and may pose a health danger to the humans who consume it. I mean, like tuna. It's the same thing as tuna. Exactly. The reason they have such high mercury is because they are top of a food chain and we have polluted the uh, the seas with gold mining with mercury and because when you're at the top of the food chain, mercury accumulates. Um, mm-hmm. So actually, uh, we shouldn't eat dolphins because us. We're the problem. It's us. And yeah. um, uh, uh, humans shouldn't be helped other animals should be helped, which is what Mako did, may I remind you. You know, you know, I'm seeing the through line here and I'm kind of coming around on it. Thank you, thank you, thank you. I tried so hard. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I, after reading this, I thought, you know what, maybe eating dolphin is a little bit inappropriate. So um, uh, instead I've suggested sashimi, question mark? Sure. Okay. I'm into it. Uh, yeah. I'll, Some I'll low some... mercury sashimi, perhaps. Yeah. That when I go to the supermarket, that's what I, I ask always for. make sure I pick up the low mercury sashimi. Always. <laughs> now the Dwayne the Rock Johnson factor. Your subject mm-hmm. needs to stand up to the cultural whirlpool and future president Dwayne the Rock Johnson. This is easy because it's a whirlpool and um, Mako <laughs> will be fine because it's a dolphin's <laughs> aquatic. Like it's, it's going to be fine. But also, if this were a Dwayne the Rock Johnson movie, um, I imagine Dwayne the Rock Johnson being the person on land who uh, uh, maybe is the evil baddie trying to to hunt down and stop Mako from trying to help everybody because mm-hmm. uh, humans are evil and they want to stop Mako from uh, being a superhero. An interesting thing about Mako is that until they performed an autopsy on Mako, they assumed that Mako was a girl. I keep forgetting that Mako died tragically. Yeah, Mako died, sorry. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, uh, uh, Mako was misgendered for the majority of his life. Um, mm-hmm. And in that case, I really think that an Olivia Coleman would be a really great voice actor huh. for the role. Mm. Um, I think she'd bring a, a decent amount of charisma. There. Now, how do you feel about Olivia Colman doing a New Zealand accent? Yeah, that was going to be my question. <laughs> Should I, we get a New Zealand I, actress for this instead? No. Okay. Um, <laughs> there are plenty of Brits that do American accent. We are every single one of your superheroes right now. And so I'm happy to to exp- let's do the British Empire again and export oh. Olivia Colman to play oh, New Zealanders. Oh, <laughs> let's do the British Empire again. I think it was really great the first time. It's weird. Uh, J- Jazza just got minus five <laughs> duck points. 
Oh shit! I was this doing is, so well. I'm not saying I just I I know Olivia <laughs> Coleman's voice so well that I just I I'm just surprised that she feels like this quintessential British person, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. I'm just surprised that she's being cast as a New Zealand dolphin. Mako uh, isn't a New Zealand citizen. Don't be silly. He's a dolphin. <laughs> <laughs> now, finally, my fun fact, and it took me a really long time to find this, but. Uh, did you guys know that dolphin aren't actually fish? <laughs> I did know that. Yeah, they're mammals. Uh, yep. They breathe air, have live young and everything. Isn't mm-hmm. that cool? That's very that neat. That is cool. Look at that. Yeah. So fun. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Eric, why don't we go ahead and we judge Jazza based on his head, his heart, and his gut. Yeah. Let's start with head. Well, before before we do this, I just... <laughs> I just want to ask one question to to Jazza. No, please go ahead. And it's not what the fuck were you thinking. Uh, (laughs) It's the thing that this dolphin did that has earned its place in this discussion is it saved two whales. Correct. Two baby whales. Two two pygmy sperm whales. And then it assaulted some people and died <laughs> tragically. No, he loved too much and we didn't deserve it. He loved, okay, he then loved he, then he, oh, My mistake, my mistake. He saved two baby whales, he loved yes. too much and then yes. he died tragically. Yes. Okay, I just want to make sure I got... I got isn't, that, <laughs> isn't that the classic hero's narrative? <laughs> All right, head. Head. Um... I gave you so many facts about dolphins. I learned a lot about dolphins this episode. <laughs> he logically did do something heroic, so we can't just give a one. I know. I think a two is fair. <laughs> what? I mean, if we gave Balto a three because Balto was yeah. on a team but did a lot of good, I think saving two whales is is heroic, but but not that heroic in the grand scheme of, of yeah, hero I mean, animals. Especially- Especially given the fact that, like, we got, you know, some decent amount of stuff on Mako, and then your three points were about how cool dolphins were. (laughs) Like, listen, it was cool that I learned a lot of cool dolphin facts, but I didn't learn a lot about Mako. There maybe would have been more information if I could have found a place to watch that documentary, but it didn't work. Also, like, you know, she just, she she lived fast, died young. (laughs) I'm crying. Uh, heart, heart. Oh, like... I mean, I think it's important to know that Jazza heard about this dolphin a decade ago and said, that's that's the animal hero for me. I don't think it's also a super compelling argument. (laughs) I'm so happy that I'm getting to experience this mess with you. I just want to put that out there. I mean, like, I feel like heart is where I have to give the most points. No, I because, agree. Like, I agree. Because yeah, gut, I I have not feeling almost anything in the gut on this one. The, so heart. The through line of like, yes, you know, someone has to champion the animals and the fact that it's a fellow animal is mm-hmm. very good. Mm-hmm. I like that. Yeah. Hey, I was, I was clutching at stores. Yeah. And like, you're pressing that this dolphin just loved too hard. Yeah. <laughs> Did pull on my heartstrings a little bit. I'll say like a four. Does that feel fair? Oh, absolutely not. No. Too high. Too high. I think a, th- I think a three is just fine. I'll do a 3.5 with you on that then. If, if it has to be a 3.5, then, it's, then that's fine. Okay. Yeah. Because I, I feel bad otherwise. Yeah. Gut. I mean, Jazza, I love you. 
but mm-hmm. I gotta say one. I just do not <laughs> think this is the most heroic animal. What if we brought back the British Empire? I, Jazz and that was, I will say that's a misstep. I, I, this is the rare moment where I will exclude the cries of the British <laughs> Empire. I it saved it saved two two whales, and that was the end of its heroic actions. You you just you milk you milkshake duck yourself immediately, and I don't know how to tell you. This. Like in in my gut, if someone said, "Did you hear about that dolphin that saved two whales, and then did nothing else heroic?" I would go, "That's cool." And then, and then I would never think about the dolphin. Now I'm going to think about this dolphin forever, probably, because of, oh I don't think I've cried laughing at something <laughs> this hard for some time. Unfortunately, that is not worth any points. I have to say one. I just have to. Well, you didn't have to, and Moko is disappointed with you. Okay, so that's a total of... 6.5. Wow. 6.5. Wow. Um, well, that's embarrassing. Oh, my goodness. I mean, I think you should only be embarrassed in the sense that you gave us a really good time (laughs) because this was delightful uh it's just not not the animal hero for me at least listen you ever know our judge might really love this dolphin you never know they they very well could i'm gonna have to do a lot of work between now and then aren't i yeah yeah (laughs) eric do your do your thing (laughs) yeah I I I had something in my head and now I for, forgot forgot about it. I wonder why. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not sorry. Well, Jazza, <laughs> that leaves you with a uh, a noble an honorable six point five points. Wow, don't you patronize me. That's no need to do that. And uh next week we'll be uh shipping overseas for a slightly different type of story while I discuss Sergeant Stubby, a true American hero. <laughs> Eric, I feel like you need to be open and honest with our listeners before Mm -hmm. we get started here. Did you just pick Sergeant Stubby because he's a Boston Terrier, the breed of dog that I know you own? No, no. So the history of us learning about Sergeant Stubby, me and Kelsey live near the Metro Parks, which is a nice public park system in Ohio. We went down there and there is just like a war memorial to like, I don't know if it's for just animals, but there's definitely a section of it that is animals. And on there, on the plaque, there's a picture and a little write-up about Sergeant Stubby. And we were, in fact, walking one of our Boston Terriers when we learned about Sergeant Stubby. But no, we I didn't just pick him because he is a Boston Terrier, but I did find my love for Sergeant Stubby <laughs> because he is a Boston Terrier. Mm. I love mm. how you organically came across this as well. This wasn't like a, a cynical Google, like I... <laughs> Like mine was anyway. I was literally <laughs> just scrolling through animal heroes, animal heroes. He does have objectively, I think, though, the cutest name. It's pretty good. Yeah, it's pretty good. It's pretty good. I'll, I mean, also, like, we found that. And then, like, a few years later, I think, like, in 2020, a Sergeant Stubby animated movie came out, which was made by one of those, like, C tier level animation studios. <laughs> we, but we did watch it. We rented it. We watched it. I'm sure it would be very entertaining to a five year old. It did not have that 
Pixar Disney level of like good for kids, good for more discerning adults. I mean, Eric, do you have the star studded cast list for that film uh, readily available? Yeah, here are some of the, the stars in this truly phenomenal film. You've got Logan Lerman, Helena Bahama Car. What's wrong? Wait, what's- <laughs> Hold on. I lost my mind. How do you say your middle name? Helena Bonham Carter. Bonham, Bonham yeah. Carter. I don't know why it left my head as I was reading it. <laughs> Helena Bonham Carter and Gerard Depardieu. Ooh. I mean, like, pretty pretty decent cast. I mean, I'm sure they got their $10,000 and that was good enough. Sure. Helena Bonham Carter is also famous for doing, like, fantastically ridiculous voices for mm-hmm. animations and stuff. I now need to see this movie. All right, there we go. You know, I tried yeah. to I tried to come at you like this was going to be a trap for you, Eric. <laughs> I'm pleasantly surprised. Yeah, yeah I mean, it, it's good stuff. So anyways, let's move on to the headline for Sergeant Stubby. Sergeant Stubby, the most decorated dog in history. <laughs> It's very With fancy. Baubles, tinsel, what was the A lot of decorations? Yeah. War medals. <laughs> yeah, <it> completely <laughs> ignored the, the Chanel mantra of take the last thing off. He was famous for, mm. for over-accessorizing. There you go. Very camp. I mean, that that's not this dog. I'll tell you that. This dog this dog is a very I, w- I was dog. stuck between this uh headline and just like a literal war hero, mm-hmm. which is pretty good. Pretty good. Mm. Uh but yeah, that that's my headline for him. And now I'm gonna move on to my trading card. I've got some pretty impressive stats here okay. for Sergeant Stubby. He served for 18 months <laughs> in 17 <laughs> battles in World War One. Wow. That's too many. That's like almost a battle a month. So, yeah, I mean, they're pretty good. So I think that's like one stat. And then your your other stat, which is in big, bold letters, one out of one World Wars one. <laughs> okay. He was in one World War okay. and he helped with it. Where was this? Was this in France and Belgium? I believe so. I believe a lot of it right. was was in France. Yeah. Okay. I mean, he he was he started here as I'll as I'll get into my my three best qualities. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he started in America and he went over <laughs> to World War One, and then came back. <laughs> When they talk about the D-Day landings and uh, like the Americans coming and saving our asses, they, well, the D-Day landings are historically in World War II. Is that World War II? <laughs> Hilarious. Um, uh, but yeah, when they talk about Americans coming and saving our asses, to be fair, in both of the World Wars, um, I didn't realize that a dog was involved. But I'm happy to have my mind expanded. Also, they had to have transported him by boat to Europe. Mm-hmm. And now yeah. I'm just thinking about this dog on a boat. Well, well, speaking of this dog on a boat, let's get into my three best qualities. Because my first quality is, in fact, Sergeant Stubby's loyalty. Okay. Well, he is a dog. I mean, that is kind of their trademark thing. Yeah, that's that's a good point. Uh, mm-hmm. If only Moko had had a little bit more loyalty. Uh, <laughs> it wouldn't have been such a disaster. <laughs> if only we had been more loyal to Moko. Oh boy! Mm-hmm. I am gonna double down on that argument. <laughs> I let's let's go for it. So in April of 1917, the uh, U.S. was beginning to ramp up and join World War One, and there were troops that were stationed kind of around Yale. That was kind of one of the like prepping spots. And this guy, John Robert Conroy, joined the military. And while they were on the grounds and everything around there, he noticed that there was this Boston Terrier kind of 
walking around and they they named him Stubby, I believe because of his short tail. Mm-hmm. And he uh, just kind of would spend a lot of, of time. He would always wait for Conroy at the same spot and they started to give him scraps. And then he eventually kind of like started taking him into the barracks and oh. keeping him. And then when they the when the upper ranks found out about him, they were pretty hesitant to keep this dog around. But they realized how much of a morale booster he was that they let him like stay. They did in fact disobey orders and snuck him onto the boat oh, no. to go over to World War One because everyone loved him so much. I was going to make a joke about Sergeant Stubby being uh, drafted. Doesn't quite doesn't quite land now. Uh, also, the image of this dog like walking into a recruitment office to sign up is also very funny to me. Very good. All I'm thinking of is that this dog was basically bribed into taking part in one of the greatest atrocities that humankind has ever known mm-hmm. by being fed scraps. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's that that's how the entire military worldwide system sure, actually, actually works. To be fair. U.S. Army realized there's a war on. Dogs? Good. (laughs) So my my final point about loyalty is uh, while he was overseas during in in the war, uh, he did spend some time hanging out in like the the medical tents for the injured soldiers. And the medics really, really took a loving to Sergeant Stubby because he was such a morale booster for uh, the injured troops. So like he kind of became like this kind of like dog that was around and like everyone really, really loved that he was was there and like helping out essentially as like with his bedside manner, like helping the dog. Was he just the first therapy dog? Is that what you're telling me right now, Eric? I don't know if he's the first therapy dog, but he definitely like I bought on Amazon. Oh my God. A excerpt of National Geographic, which apparently is something you could do. You could just buy articles on your Kindle. Sure. And I bought that. And like, I have highlighted notes about Sergeant Stubby's entire military service. So get ready because here we go into point two, literal war hero. Now, as Jazza mentioned, World War One, very bad (laughs) in a lot of ways. Cannot stress enough, very bad. We don't condone, yeah. If you watch that that Peter Jackson recolorized World War One documentary, you'll learn a lot of the horrors of World War One that they really gleam over Mm. in history class. Mm. So we're going to kind of talk about them generally, but not get into too many of the details because it's sad and this is a comedy show. Can I give Sergeant Stubby points already for being like one of the few official war heroes who didn't kill anyone? Yeah. Great. Love that. Oh, thank God. I'm so glad that we can confirm that this little dog. <laughs> yeah, I thought you were going to be like, oh, and Sergeant Stubby like set a bomb in no man's land and killed several people. He, d- he didn't set any bombs. I I will say he, he does have a body count. I don't think the person died. But you he can't died. tell he me did. this dog has a body. Eric. <laughs> you know what a body count means. It means that someone died. Okay, he, doesn't, someone. he doesn't have a body count. He doesn't have a body count. Okay. And now okay. I don't believe you. I'll, well, I'll, I'll, that's my final point in this section. So we'll, we'll get to it. The first and most important thing is that he could sniff out mustard gas before it got too dangerous. So in trench warfare, there was a lot of mustard gas and just mm. in general World War One. He could alert the units he was with before the gas got too deadly. He could sniff it before it became deadly for himself, warn everybody. They would put a mask 
on the dog. <laughs> Incredible. Is there a picture? Eric, you have to show us there the picture not of the dog a, there, I could not mask. find a picture of him wearing the mask because it was the war and not a lot of people were just walking around with cameras. Uh, come on, that has to be what they would use photography for at the time. Like Deducting points now. If you're not going to photograph a dog in a funny mask, then... What's the point? What's the point? The point was winning the war, which they did in fact do once again. Nah. <laughs> he survived winter... In the trenches. Like, he spent an entire winter, one of the deadliest winters in m- modern war, in the trenches with his unit. And, like, he was there warning them about different things because he had, like, heightened senses and understood how to protect his unit. He took a grenade hit. What? Sergeant <laughs> Stubby got blown up. <laughs> survived. That's when he ended up spending a bunch of time with the medics because he was also recovering. Oh, my God. They gave him a bed in a triage <laughs> yeah, tent. Gave, I mean, they probably gave, they probably didn't give him a human cot, but they did probably provide him some stuff. But like, he took a hit, a big explosion from a, from a, one of those bouncy boys or whatever they called them back then, and and survived. The the image that Jazz has just suggested. <laughs> puts into my mind this idea of being like, we have five injured people plus Sergeant Stubby. They're like, well, get a bed for Sergeant Stubby. The others can lay on the ground. I mean, pretty much, pretty much. Oh, God. During trench warfare specifically, he was able to find a lot of injured soldiers and like lead the medics to them. So he literally was saving lives. Like he was literally leading the medics to injured soldiers. Yes, but how many died for Sergeant Stubby? That's the real question. <laughs> yeah, that's a very good question, Julia. Look, the ripples of of Archduke Franz Ferdinand could never fully be understood. But he but but Sergeant Stubby was able to save a few of the of the victims of, of that assassination. <laughs> He could also, along with sensing mustard gas, sense mortar shells that were incoming. I don't know how. Could he hear them whistling through the air? Hear the, yeah, and that? like alert them. And while the troops were both in the trenches and walking like from location to location, they would often huddle around them when they knew mortar shells were a possibility so that they could like duck and cover and like he once again, saving lives. Okay. The final point I have here about being a literal war hero is that in the trenches, he found a German spy. He realized that this guy did not belong in this unit, bit the guy, I think in the ear it said, (laughs) like bit him somewhere, held on and started barking until like troops came and found this guy. Like this guy was literally in the the US side of the trenches, the British side of the trenches, and managed to like catch someone that didn't belong there. That is huh. a, that is impressive, but does make me think that he's now a xenophobe. Mm, kind of a snitch. It gives me vibes of, you know, when like a racist dog owner's dog is also racist. Well, I mean, he is a Boston terrier, so you're gonna you're there's there's just some inherent racism. Yeah, but sure. it's just Boston yeah. for you. He sounds like a snitch, though, which I'm not a fan of. Okay, I want to be very clear. <laughs> Stopping a German spy in World War I is not snitching. <laughs> That's not what snitching is. Isn't it? My final point is that he's a Boston Terrier. Now, me and my girlfriend Kelsey have had three Boston Terriers. Kelsey adopted Arnie, the late Arnie, uh, when he was 10, had him for seven years. He Love lived Arnie. until he was 17, very old. We now have Herbie and Henry, who are Chaos nine boys. years old. They're, they're brothers, they're, they're litter mates, they're adorable. And I just love, uh, I love Boston Terriers. They are great dogs. They are generally well-behaved if you're not 
our dog Henry, who did two days ago get into his bag of food and ate too much, which means I had to stay up super late monitoring him for bloat. He's fine now. Woo! And also attacked a, a German guy in the park, right? Like, that's he's never he's... he's never attacked a German guy at the park. He has barked at a German shepherd what? walking down the street. Oh. But he's also barked at every other dog he sees walking down the street. So not exactly specifically uh, racist there. Now, he's also the one that famously jumped off a second floor balcony. No, no that was Herbie. Oh, okay. Herbie famously jumped off a second story balcony, breaking his leg. Similar to Sergeant Stubby, taking a pretty big injury. Uh, Herbie's dumb, Henry's evil. So ah, there's the, that's right. the two dichotomies we have with our uh, dogs. They're pinky in the brain, is what I'm imagining. There we yeah, go. kind of. Yeah, I mean, pr- pretty much. I mean, Herbie also once uh, chewed through an electrical cord and shocked himself. Uh, we He was sitting literally on the opposite side of the coffee table directly in front of us while we were watching TV. We thought he was chewing on a bone because, of course, that's what would make sense mm-hmm. until he yelped. And he's fine. He's, fine. He's, <laughs> he's laying fine. right here. You can see him on, on the video call that we're on. He's fast asleep, does not care what's going on at all. He's, he's love doing him. great. Bless him. Point is, we love Boston Terriers. It's amazing that we happen to love Boston Terriers. And this amazing hero dog is also a Boston Terrier. Mm. Mm. Eric, I do have a question before we get to mm-hmm. Fight Club, which probably this dog is going to win Fight Club just because mm-hmm. he is a literal war hero. Um, yeah. Was Sergeant Stubby from Cleveland? I mean, it's impossible to say where he was from. He he first appeared in the history books in, in Yale, uh-huh. so he's from he's from the the Northeast. Okay, uh, I doubt he has spent any time in Cleveland. Okay, so why does Cleveland have a memorial for this dog? I think there's just well, it's not specifically for this dog. It's for just like hero animals that have served in war. So I think there's just not a lot of them. So they just kind of picked out like five of the more interesting ones and mm-hmm. put put them up there. Uh, I have a question. Was Balto on that list since you guys stole his body? I don't think Balto. Well, once again, I personally have nothing to do with Bal- <laughs> Balto's body. Didn't. Uh, mm-hmm. Speak for the people of Ohio. Speak for your people. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I Balto, I don't know. This was for dogs that served in a war. Ah. This, this thing. So Balto was not included on there. But that does not make Balto any less of a hero. Right. This you. was just for dogs that specifically mm-hmm. like have have achieved medals in war. Mm-hmm. Fight Club. Go so, I mean, he is the smallest of our three animals, That's but true. he does have uh, the entire 102nd Infantry behind him, which I think says something. I think that he has like the literal force of the U.S. military behind okay. him. Means that he would win a Fight Club. Also, to be fair, he can take a hit as well. We know that he can take a hit. Um, yeah. Uh, like Mocco wasn't going to start throwing any grenades anytime soon That's because true. no opposable yeah. thumbs. To be fair, can't get the fit, the ring pull out with the grenade. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, but maybe kind of like a headbutt or two. Sergeant Stubby's going to be fine. I mean, he's taken a hit. He's attacked a spy. He's done a lot of very heroic stuff. So like this, this dog knows how how to go for sure. Okay. Okay. You could just kick him and see how far he flew because it is it's a small <laughs> dog, isn't it? Very small dog. It is yeah, a very small, small dog. dog. Yeah. It is a small dog. Easily puntable. Mm-hmm. But unfortunately, dolphins and Balto can't kick. Oh, uh, yeah. Dolphins famously so, no feet. So like- <laughs> but tail catapult. <laughs> yeah. Have you not seen them? Like do, like flicking balls in the air. There you mm-hmm, go. Mm-hmm. So let's take it to Flavortown now. Okay. How... Am I gonna like eat this wood? dog? <laughs> no, <laughs> incorrect. So I was thinking he he's from Boston. He's from Yale. 
what kind of dish would Guy Fieri really need to spice up in honor of Sergeant Subby? So I've gone with a nice New England clam chowder. <laughs> it's stereotypical, but I don't think Guy Fieri's dipped into the New England clam chowder okay. to, to, to make it better. So how, how am I going to improve upon the clam chowder? Well, the first thing I'm going to do is add at least three cheeses. Okay. Just add some cheese to that already creamy soup, that chowder, make it really good. Here's the other thing I'm going to do to really, really spice it up. I'm going to fry the potatoes first before putting them in there. Instead of just cubing those potatoes and cooking them in the thing, I think adding a bit of crunch to a clam chowder would, would be nice. So I'm saying we're going to fry up those. But surely, I don't want to get all culinary critical on you, but surely mm. you put in kind of like a crispy before, potato. Hold on. Before, before you get too culinary critical, you're, remember, this is something Guy Fieri would make. I think the point stands. Let me come straight for Guy. I feel like you're going to put in a crispy potato and within like three minutes, it's going to go soggy. And have you ever had a a soggy potato that used to be crispy? Yeah, in every other bowl of New England clam chowder. (laughs) (laughs) At least this adds a little bit of potential crunch. But the whole point of not frying it is that it is cooking in the sauce and Mm. then absorbing into it. This has nothing to do with Sergeant Stubby, but (laughs) we have opinions about New England clam chowder. Well, you guys got to find something to come at me with, so why not do the soup? I will I will finish one thing about, about flavor time here. It would be easy to make this joke, and I'm not going to make it, but I'm going to say that I'm not going to make it, which means it both counts and doesn't count. Yes. Not adding any mustard for the mustard gas joke oh, in the soup. Yeah. It's, it's, that's not appropriate. Mm-hmm. It's not funny. Mm-hmm. Let's be serious here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. Excellent. You're right. That really, that wasn't funny at all. Yeah. You have a missed opportunity here for not having Guy Fieri try to absolutely fuck up a New Haven style pizza. I'm just saying. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I just don't know what like ingredients would make the perfect Sergeant Stubby style pie. Mm. Like, like, I feel like you're getting too, you you really got to like pull that together. But I see where you're coming from. Eric, pepperoni. Pepperoni is 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 something. It's Mm -hmm. something, all right. Mm -hmm. Finally, how are we gonna bring in Dwayne the Rock Johnson? Johnson. The Dwayne the Rock Johnson factor. I think we already have a somewhat okay movie, (laughs) animated movie for kids about this. With Helen and Bob and Carter and that guy from France, Logan Lerman. Yeah, never heard of him, but sure, he's great. So here's what I think we need to do. I think this is something both The Rock hasn't done and we don't have for Sergeant Subby. I think The Rock needs to narrate a documentary. Okay. He hasn't done it yet. He's done comedy. He's done drama. Check out Pain and Gain. It's weirdly the one good Michael Bay film. He's done action, but he hasn't narrated a documentary. And who better to have a documentary about narrated by one of the strongest men alive today than one of the strongest dogs in all of history? Uh-huh. I'm not sure I I look at or listen to Dwayne The Rock Johnson and think, oh, he's going to take over from Sir David Attenborough. Like, I just mm. don't think that's going to happen. I mean, it's it's going to be a different take and he's going to need sure. a good director behind <laughs> him. But I think, I think it's time for The Rock to branch out, do something a little mm. different. And I think the rock could really be like wow i know that struggle i know how hard it is to be tough and stuff (laughs) and i could i could bring that level of narration into this documentary about this dog because i think people should know about this dog he's amazing forgive my ignorance but has is is the rock a veteran has he ever known combat no no okay cool right no i didn't i didn't mean i didn't mean he had served i did say that 
unclearly unless you count wwe uh, then no <laughs> that is, that is like being at war so <laughs> oh no i mean raw is war famously, raw is famously war right <laughs> it was like the Monday Night Wars, the most important oh wars of, of the 90s finally a fun fact mm? was your fun fact this dog did not consent to be in the worst war ever it's a fun fact that sergeant stubby committed a war crime of some kind <laughs> Uh, the funniest of facts. My fun fact is about uh, Sergeant Stubby's medals that he earned. So here are some of the medals that he got. And by the way, he did get a a coat uh, and a uniform that they oh were God. able to sew his medals onto. They do note that it was not entirely practical because of, of how many medals they had to put on it. But it is adorable. And it is the first picture you see when you go to Sergeant Stubby's Wikipedia. Eric, if you tell me this dog got a purple heart, I might scream. <laughs> okay. Get your lungs ready. <laughs> oh no. He got campaign medals, including the Chateau Theory Campaign Medal, the French Medal of Verdun, Saint Michael Campaign Medal, the Republic of France Grand War Medal, and after the war, many other decorations were added to the collection, including the Wound Stripe, which was replaced with the Purple oh Heart, God. America's highest honor for bravery and conflict. There were two other decorations that were linked by one of Stubby's bravest deeds, the apprehension of the German spy. <laughs> by the end of his service in World War I, Sergeant Stubby outranked his owner. I hate this. I... <laughs> Our military is so broken. <laughs> he he had received so many medals and commendations that he had a higher rank than the man who fed him every day and owned him legally. Is this how, like, in the comic books, everyone's like, well, you know, Captain isn't that, like, high of a ranking Captain America. So really, a lot of other people outrank you. Yes, it is exactly oh that. Yeah, but Field Marshal America didn't have a second <laughs> yeah, to it. It doesn't quite work, does it? <laughs> So that is my entire uh, survey of Sergeant Stubby. I've got a lot more stuff for our uh, our <laughs> final round with our judge, but I think I've proven pretty well that Sergeant Stubby, with my head, my heart, and my gut, he is the most heroic dog. Okay, Eric. Uh, thank you for, for just all of this. We're now going to judge you and Sergeant Stubby based on our head, our heart, and our gut, scoring you on a scale of one to five for each. All right, Jazza. Mm -hmm. Let's start with head. Well, if we're thinking about head mm -hmm. and we're looking at the facts, mm -hmm. the, the, the merchandise, the, the artifacts that have been presented to us, mm -hmm. He's a very decorated war He's a veteran. very decorated dog. <laughs> right. Um, Perhaps uh, like, too decorated, but that's a that's an argument um, for I, another day. That's a separate conversation. Um, yeah. But objectively, he is pretty like he's got he's ticking all of those boxes so i think head is probably actually the strongest out of these yeah three. i think so i will i will say i will give eric like a 4.5 or a 5 here because when we're talking about hero the first thing you kind of think of is like war hero unfortunately um and like one of the things about this fucking dog is that it did like save people's lives in a very mm. like conflict-ridden situation and it was honored for that fact so yeah much better than bolto <laughs> who um uh, as we know from the previous episode um just kind of like 
got famous off of the back of a marketing campaign yeah, uh, where yeah. all of the rest of the dogs that helped out were all forgotten. That did um, happen. Uh, and so, yeah, uh, this dog actually did do the things. I'm okay for a five. All right. Five points. Let's move on to heart. Now, I've met Eric's dogs. Mm-hmm. I understand why he is very, very excited for, for Sergeant Stubby. I think that Eric is like extremely invested in Sergeant Stubby. I think that the fact that he bought an article on his Kindle and then highlighted the shit out of it to research Sergeant Stubby. Yeah, I didn't buy anything. Yeah, I didn't either. I didn't have any upfront costs. Yeah. This was all Wikipedia. This is all, I think this is a five two. Oh, I hate that I can't disagree with you. I know, right? <laughs> I'm so annoyed. <laughs> I hate that I can't disagree with it. Yeah, I think this is a five. Mm-hmm. God, bugger me. <laughs> All right, so Jazza, let's move on to gut, which is just like our, our gut feeling about Sergeant Stubby. Oh, I, I feel like this is not a five. I just want to make this I'm going to tell you right now, this one's not going to be a five. <laughs> Damn. I don't feel very good about a World War One hero. Um, I don't feel good about a dog being forcibly taken across seas because yeah. he decided to basically attach himself to the wrong human. I don't feel good that the American military basically found out, oh, dogs on the battlefield to a certain extent are actually quite useful and then didn't use them. Oh, we still use dogs. But we didn't. We don't talk about any other decorated war veterans just because they were nice doggies, do yeah. we? Um, yeah. uh, and I do think it is ridiculous that this fucking canine got a purple heart like that that must <laughs> he, be insulting he took a bomb <laughs> he took a grenade and then spent time recovering with other soldiers but how how do the other soldiers feel about that dog getting a purple heart is my question i mean i bet the ones that he literally saved from mortar shells a german spy and mustard gas were probably like you know what <laughs> you know what sergeant stubby seems fair, fair actually <laughs> so uh for my sergeant stubby gut feeling i'm at like a two or a three what? where are you at jazza uh, i'm i am around the same shall we say a 2.5 2.5 sounds great All right, so Eric, that gives you a total of 12.5, which is a strong showing, honestly. It's a strong showing. I mean, I was was talking shit in the slack that I was going for a full 15, and I, I feel like... I, I was uh, in, in in line for it, but I mean, I'm I'm happy to to make my case to the judge and uh, maybe take take the win there. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. So we have determined that for greatest animal hero, Sergeant Stubby is our winner. But we get an opportunity to take this to our judge to determine once and for all which animal is the best animal hero. And I am going to turn this around in the deliberation. Just going to make that really clear. Excellent. Mm-hmm. <laughs> 